What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pal, Smash Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And yeah, I haven't done this in a while. Just a random, a random handful of topics because I'm not here to talk to you about something that's coming up. I'm not here to talk to you about something that's just happened. It's not a preview. It's not a review. It's what I initially intended uh, the um, Off the Cuff series to be is just random topics that might not quite get their own videos. Eh, here's some stuff that's going on. And plus, I haven't given you guys very much this week. I give you my. Dynamite review and then Rampage was. <sighs> I mean, let's. Uh, I'll tip my cap to um, Jackson and Danielson, obviously, because they had a great first match and then it just sort of went downhill from there. Uh, Thunder Rosa was trapped in a terrible triple, th sorry, three way match. And then the hair versus hair match was exactly what we thought it was going to be. We had a nice moment with the Dark Order and Negative One at the end, which is always good. Always have a feel good moment. I can. I can shit on a match, but if you're going to have a feel-good moment like that afterwards, then then it is fine. Um, we did get one major announcement on Rampage that I'm going to talk about in a little bit, but going to go the other way, and yes, WWE is a little bit of a dumpster fire right now, but it does have a couple of things. Sorry, my phone is going off. You're going to have to excuse me for a second. Let's just get rid of that and toss it over there. They do always have a couple of things that draw your attention. A wrestling wedding will always get your attention. I don't care how jaded you are, the Royal Rumble will always get everybody's attention. And for better and for worse, the WWE draft will get people's attention, at least for one night. And I'm going to tell you what we know so far, because SmackDown had part one, obviously Raw's going to have part two. I don't know if I'm going to do another video for part two, you guys can obviously put it down in the comment section below if you want. I mean, I haven't, I'm not doing very much uh, NXT stuff right now. You guys know uh, that's sort of on hold at the moment. But uh, if you want me to come back and give you my thoughts on part two of the draft, sort of Monday, Tuesday sometime, I can do that. Uh, if not, if you're like, Spaz, why are you wasting my time with this? Hell, you can put that down in the box below as well. They've done the format where... Um, where they just make announcements that matter and announcements that don't because you there's so much of it that is spent uh, drafting people to a show that are already on that show. Um, if you go way, 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 way back, I think it was the first uh, brand split, uh, I think of the episode of Raw where Miz and Morrison lost a tag match and then I think Morrison got booked onto another show and that obviously split up the team, so immediately they started fighting. Now. That wasn't ideal from a storytelling point of view, but the way that they did that, it's just like, okay, if SmackDown's got a pick, then roll through the Raw people. If Raw's got a pick, roll through the SmackDown people. Now, uh, these days you have NXT in the mix as well. I was about to say the black and gold brand, but they're not even the black and gold brand anymore. We don't need to talk about it. Um, but this whole, like, this way of doing things, they just waste announcement time. I would rather... And uh, we're going to go back and forth on it as I, as I go through this list here. I'm going to try and make it a little more lively. As usual, I come at you guys with the most amount of effort and energy possible, which is about this much. Um, I really wish that they would make it more concise. Do it at... I know they have spread it across both shows because USA Network and Fox are fighting over stuff, which is still hilarious to me because both shows play on Sportsnet 360 up here for me in Canada. So the Battle of the Networks is such a moot point. It's a... Uh, what would Joey Tribbiani say? It's a moo point. It's less than a cow's opinion. Um, so the Battle of the Networks is always kind of weird. But they both want equal share, equal time, whatever. So that's why they spread it out over two nights. I wish... 
I wish they would do one show, throw it on the WWE Network, tell us all the changes, and call it a day, but that's not going to get them the ratings that they want. So, the people that are staying put, for the most part, I don't, I don't care because they're not moving. Does that make sense? But I'm going to say, in the long run, SmackDown is winning the draft so far. I mean, now let me put that, let me put that content, uh, that sentence into perspective. WWE is a dumpster fire right now. It is. Uh, what they a good portion of what they've done to NXT was sort of a breaking point for me as far as okay, dumpster fire is gonna dumpster fire. But um, there's always one or two. The annoying thing about WWE, SmackDown, Raw, NXT, whatever you want to call it, is there's always going to be one or two things that pop up on the show that are really good that keep you from calling it a complete dumpster fire. So when I talk about something that's potentially good here, it potentially changes that are good here, I want you to know that I'm just meaning that this might be the one or two things on Raw that keep it from being three hours of garbage. I don't want to you to think that, oh, they moved this person over here, WWE is saved. I'm not an idiot. I know it's a dumpster fire, but I'm trying to pick out the little bits of joy where I can. SmackDown, in that context, in that frame of mind, in that from that perspective, is winning the draft by a country mile. So let's look at Raw. Uh, now, I've got the things that were announced on the show, the things that were announced on Talking Smack, and the things that were announced subsequently on social media as well. So this is a big... I'm going to be reading you guys a big long list, and I'm sorry, I know that's not very exciting, but we're going to go with it where we can. We got Big E to Raw, which I don't count because Big E to Raw happened when he won the WWE Championship. Now, they can talk around it and say, oh, it's official now, whatever. He was already there. Raw took Bianca Belair. Now, Bianca Belair is somebody I can't stand. You guys know this. But at the very least, unless they change it on Monday, this will break it up from SmackDown having to do Sasha and Bianca over and over and over and over and over again. Now, I think that just means that Sasha's going to be booked against Naomi a lot instead because she's somehow a babyface. But we can talk about that when we talk about it. RK-Bro was going to stay on, on Raw. Randy Orton, I don't think, is ever going to SmackDown. And, and uh, Riddle being with him at the moment gets to go along for the ride. What does happen, uh, on the other hand, coming over from SmackDown to Raw is Edge. Now, I cannot take credit for this. I cannot say that it was my own... Idea. I actually heard this on the Good Mike Work podcast. Go check out Good Mike Work. Good Mike Work, 10 times more knowledgeable than me. I mean, you guys know, the guys that I like in the YWC, I'm always going to put them over. I'm always going to put them on a pedestal. They're all bigger names than me, and most of them that are bigger names than me are bigger names for a reason. He did his own uh, review of SmackDown in the draft and whatever, and came up with a lot of good points, and I... I, I like the one that he pulled out here where you could see interactions between Riddle and Edge because there is the history between Edge and Randy Orton, and we all know for various weeks on end, uh, Randy Orton's not been there. No real explanations as to why I saw his name being listed along with Alexa Bliss. Now, Alexa Bliss has gone on to have some sort of facial nasal surgery. Now, if he's on that same list, maybe he's not cleared for some other reason. If that translates into a short-term tag team of Edge and Riddle, that could be a lot of fun, and it could be a big difference from what he's doing right now, which where he's a super serious, super gritty, intense guy. Um, we can see the more fun banter, let's have a good time, you know, five, you know, for the benefit of those with Flash Photography Edge, along with Riddle, and they can do, you know, subversive pot jokes and all that sort of thing. 
I want to be clear when I say that, though. Uh, I like super intense Edge because it's way over the top and melodramatic, and I like some goofiness in my wrestling. But I got to acknowledge that when he goes super serious, not everybody's not everybody's into it. So I will I will uh, lay that at their feet. Uh, Rhea Ripley and Nikki Ash, who are technically on both shows because they're the tag team champions at the moment, they're staying on Raw, which is fine. I like Rhea Ripley. I would love to see Rhea Ripley destroy Bianca Belair. That would be fantastic. And Nikki Ash, you guys know where I sit with that at the moment. The gimmick isn't for me, but I'm glad that she got to do something that she wanted to do and get it up off the ground. That's a little bit of a victory story, if if uh, if you want me to be completely honest. Now, eventually, do I want them to come around to the idea that hey, maybe this isn't working, and maybe the previous version of Nikki Cross going uh, against Rhea Ripley? Maybe, just maybe, on Raw they move Carrie and Cross to SmackDown, and Nikki Cross can have her last name back. Who knows? Keith Bearcat Lee. And I'm just going to leave that one alone because apparently there's some historical significance that I'm not familiar with. Keith Bearcat Lee, who destroyed Tozawa on Raw. Yay. Uh, he's staying on Raw. Uh, Ray Mysterio and Dominic are moving back to Raw. And I have every... I have every belief in my heart that we're going to find out on Monday that Seth Rollins has also been moved to Raw. So the Ray and Dominic and... Remember how... They had the Ray and Dominic thing, and they did the thing with the eyeball and whatever, and then they all went to SmackDown. I think they're going to do that the other way, too. Now he's got Ray that he can fight with and Edge that he's already feuding with and broke into his house, etc. <sighs> These things must continue. Now, I will say the high point, and I will say it's a high point because I like it, and I know there's a whole lot of people that don't. The last draft pick on the night on the actual live SmackDown broadcast for Raw was Austin Theory. Now... I have a couple different things about this, because uh, Jake and I said a while ago, if you look at Austin Theory and put aside all the political bullshit and the cancel culture surrounding him, this is a guy that you could throw immediately into the U.S. or Intercontinental title picture. The guy's got mid-card title written all over his face. Now, the other side of that coin is what NXT loses. Now, NXT is very different than what it was a couple of weeks ago, but one of the best things going on from an entertaining, comedic point of view was the way... And The Way is kind of all over the place right now. You've got Indy Hartwell, who's leaving The Way for two reasons, because she's doing the index thing, but also she's got one of her friends who's a relatively new star who says, hey, when Indy gets back, we're going to be tag team champions. I can't think of the girl's name off the top of my head because I'm terrible. But So she's going to go in that direction. Candice LeRae isn't on the roster right now because she's having a baby, and Johnny Gargano's deal is apparently up soon. So... On the one hand, I'm I'm kind of bummed that Austin Theory has left the way. On the other hand, I'm kind of wondering, is the way even a thing anymore? Either way, every Monday night, everybody on Twitter is going to get nice and triggered that Austin Theory still <gasps> has a job. So that'll entertain me quite a bit. Now, in the supplemental draft, uh, Tazawa stays on Raw. The Alpha Academy goes to Raw, which is fine. I would love to see Chad Gable go off and do some solo Stuff. I would love to see Chad Gable come back to NXT and maybe be part of the cruiserweight division. I wish that the um, heavy machinery was still a thing, but we don't we don't do that because we can't have nice things. Apollo Cruz and Commander Aziz came over as a team to Raw. I really don't know. I really don't know what they're gonna do because right now the mid card champion on Monday Night Raw is Damian Priest. And as great athletes as they both are, I can't picture what a Damian Priest Apollo Cruz 
rivalry looks like. So the only other option for them, because he's not going to be in the world title picture, let me tell you that right now. I'll tell you that for free. Uh, the only other thing you can do with them is put them in the tag team title picture. And, and Apollo and uh, Commander Aziz versus Rated RK Bro uh, is not something that has my interest. Dewdrop stays on Raw. Okay, I hope they eventually go back to Piper Niven or Viper or whatever, because the Dewdrop thing is weird. Drake Maverick is on Raw. Yay. Morrison stays on Raw. Nia Jax stays on Raw. Reggie, I don't know, was Reggie ever on a show? Because he just followed Baszler and Jax around, and then he got himself the 24-7 title, which is good for any show. So I don't know if he was specifically on a brand. I wasn't paying attention very much before the draft, but he's apparently a Raw guy now, as is R-Truth and Just T-Bar. So Dominic Dijakovic, by himself on Raw, the last remnants of Retribution, the last bit of Retribution that was an actual team, Mason T-Bar, have split up. The remnants of Retribution explode! Yay. Um... You guys that have been watching my NXT reviews for a long time will know I never really was that excited about Dominic Dijakovic in the first place. I wasn't one of these people that, oh my god, they ruined Dijakovic on the main roster. No. He had way too many matches on in NXT with Keith Lee, and then Keith Lee went on to do better shit. Uh, I, I think he was doing his his job just fine as, as a tag team guy with, um, with Mace, who is uh, Dio Madden. Uh, Shane Thorne is apparently... Indiana Jones now at house shows, so that's something. Uh, we're going to talk about some other members later on. No mention of Mia Yim in a long time, which is really, really concerning. But T-Bar, by himself, I mean, they're not going to give him his name back. They've already got a Dominic on this show. They can't do that. Remember, they have Michael Cole, so they were going to name Adam Cole Adam Boom. Save me from this company. And, unfortunately, SmackDown did lose Zelina Vega, and... That's a bummer for me because Zelina Vega is like custom made for SmackDown. Now, don't ask me what that means. The shows are virtually identical, other than the fact that SmackDown is shorter and better. But Zelina Vega just worked. The Zelina Vega situation Zelina Vega, Carmella, um, Tony Storm, uh, Liv Morgan, and there's somebody else I'm forgetting. They were getting a nice little mid card together on SmackDown, and Zelina Vega was a part of that, whether people want to admit it or not, so she's going to be stuck over on Raw, probably jobbing to Bianca Belair. Gee, I wonder why. On the SmackDown side of things, the first thing they did, the first draft pick of 2021 was Roman Reigns, and somebody pointed it out to me on social media that that's the third year in a row that the very first draft pick was SmackDown picking Roman Reigns, so gee, I wonder, do you think he's over? The second pick was Charlotte Flair, the Raw Women's Champion. So, oh my God, there's two champions on one brand. Oh my God, WWE's so stupid. How could they do this? There's a second half to the draft, folks, and there's a triple threat match coming up, and there's a pay-per-view match coming up. It's not going to stay that way. Yes, they're probably going to do the the belt swapping thing that Street Profits and New Day did a couple years ago, which was lame, and yes, it will be just as stupid, but you know what? We lost Bianca, we gained Charlotte Flair. That's a win, folks. That's a win, and you're allowed to say those words out loud. Now, Drew McIntyre comes over to SmackDown, which was long overdue. Uh, there was not much more for him to do on Raw. He wasn't going to get back into that title picture again. Um, as soon as they took the belt off of Bobby Lashley and didn't throw Drew back. I mean, yeah, he came out and he, he pointed his sword at, at Big E, but they're not going to have Drew McIntyre unseat Big E because fans might have something to say. So, 
there wasn't much more he was going to do on Raw. Uh, SmackDown, there's a match waiting for him with Roman Reigns because we saw that a while ago. It was really good. We can do that again. And plus, as Drew McIntyre said on SmackDown, like this is where he came the first time around. You know, his his, his failed attempt when he was the chosen one, etc. And now he can have a second fresh start. And Drew McIntyre's banter. I would love to see banter Drew McIntyre on the better show. It's fine. What amuses the hell out of me is they treat Kofi and Woods as a tag team and and Big E as a singles guy. So now that Big E's on Raw, they had to bring the other two back to SmackDown. That makes me laugh because everybody predictably online got super, oh, we just can't have nice things. And it's like, yeah, they want to present the guy that you really like as a solo champion standing strong on his own. How terrible. Baron Corbin and Madcap Moss. I don't care. Uh, Naomi's staying on SmackDown to keep that weird identity-driven thing going. Jeff Hardy's coming over to SmackDown. I'm a big mark for Jeff Hardy, so put him on the better show. Yes, and the last uh, thing that I want to talk about, it wasn't the last pick, but I've left it for last because I think it's probably the biggest announcement that was made on the show, is that all four members of Hit Row, Isaiah Swerve, Scott, Top Dollar, uh, Ashanti the Adonis, and B-Fab have all just come up to SmackDown as well. It's an interesting story. Once again, like Karrion Cross, except not like Karrion Cross. Um, names. Isaiah Swerve Scott, there we go, thank you, Brain, is still the North American champion, so soon he's going to be dropping that title, probably to Santos Escobar, and that doesn't hurt my feelings in the slightest. Now, you've got factions on the main roster. You've got the New Day, you've got the Hurt Business, you've got the Bloodline, and you've got Hit Row. Now, if you can't draw the lines between all those, I'm not going to do it for you, especially considering Naomi's probably joining the Hurt Business. I'll let you draw your own conclusions. Um, in the supplemental draft, my hometown girl Aaliyah is going to SmackDown. Drew Gulak is going back to SmackDown, which is kind of hopeful. I'm not an idiot. They're not going to push him to the moon. But the last time he was on SmackDown, they let him have a couple of really good matches with Daniel Bryan. So let's hook him up with guys like uh, Cesaro and people of that like that can at least give him good matches. Mace is on SmackDown, obviously, because T-Bar's on Raw. Why the hell not? The ta the t tag team, words, sorry, the tag team of Mansoor and Ali have moved to SmackDown, and I love that they're keeping them as a tag team. They work as a tag team. Yes, it's one more oddball tag team. I understand not everybody likes the oddball tag team thing, but I really like them as a team. Like I hate to say it. It's like when they first put Shelton Benjamin and... Uh, what's his name... Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander together as a team, which is something that which was a team that I had put together on uh, on 2K uh, just recently before that. Mansoor and Ali, if WWE is a video game, are two guys that you would put together as a team. Their styles are pretty similar. Um, the the same kind of like they're they're slowly working towards like having the same ring gear, the same look, all that kind of thing. I'm assuming when they go to Saudi Arabia for the Crown Jewel show that they're going to be featured in some sort of tag team match with uh, with Mansoor being the hometown boy from there, and that good for them, good for them. That's all I can really say. All the before he became a member of the main roster, before he was even really featured on NXT, they had a couple shows in a row where Mansoor was fighting somebody. I think one time it was Ziggler, the other time it was Cesaro, etc. And you know what? It doesn't hurt anybody. Everybody screams from the rooftops that the 
the crown jewel shows are dumb, the Saudi shows are dumb, they don't mean anything, they don't matter, then why do you care if somebody that's actually from there gets to have a token match? Just, you know, he gets to perform. When, when else in the entire year is this guy going to get to perform in front of his own family, his own friends, etc.? It doesn't hurt my feelings at all. And, thankfully, to round it all out, Tony Storm, who's awesome and underutilized and needs a push, is still staying on SmackDown. So... Yeah, I, I I don't know how to say it other than SmackDown's winning the draft so far. Now they will uh, avert ship and prove me wrong on Monday probably. But for the moment, for the moment, SmackDown is winning the draft. Now, is it going to go three weeks from now and we're going to go back to hating everything anyway? Yeah, we probably are. Uh, and, and everything I'm saying right now is going to mean absolutely... Oh, and I forgot to mention, of course, Brock Lesnar is a free agent. Because, of course, he is. Because WWE wants to be able to stick him wherever they want. I don't know why they bothered mentioning it. Because we know he's like Cena. He's like The Rock. He's like The Undertaker. When WWE wants to use him, they're going to stick him wherever they want. So we know that Brock Lesnar is a free agent. I don't know why they even bothered bringing it up. But I will say, I do like big banter babyface Brock. He's a lot of fun. It's, it's, it's good shit. Um... The other thing we got announced on SmackDown, and it's something, yes, uh, once again, it's leading to the Saudi Arabia show. Boo, boo, boo. We're getting the return of the King of the Ring and the introduction of the Queen's Crown tournament. So you've got a tournament for the guys, you've got a tournament for the girls. Everything's nice and even, except for the ladies also get the Mae Young Classic, but don't worry, we don't need to talk about that right now. Those start, I believe, next week. Somebody correct me down in the box below. And you know what? It's fine. The King of the Ring is never going to be what it used to be, and I imagine the Queen of the Ring will be will be positioned just a little bit higher. But that that's to be that's to be expected at this point. The bigger thing for me, when people are, are screaming about, well, why didn't they just call it the Queen of the Ring? Well, because they made something brand new and different just for the ladies. That's awesome. Oh well, why are they paying it off at such a stupid pay per view? Because it's pretty fucking awesome that. A place where you would not have been allowed to have any female participation at all is now hosting the the finals of this tournament. Now I'm not saying I'm not saying to anybody out there right now that you suddenly have to love the Saudi shows. You have to love Crown Jewel. Absolutely not. All the criticisms of why these shows happen and the business deals behind the scenes and the and the blood money and all that kind of thing all totally valid all totally valid. But I have to say as well, as much as I didn't care for the match, what was it, two years ago now, when Natty and uh, Lacey Evans went out there, yes, in their tracksuits or whatever they were wearing, and had the first women's match in front of a live crowd in Saudi Arabia, did I care about the match? No. Did I even enjoy the match? Not really. But that's not the point. It's really not. It's the... It's the you know, the groundbreaking, taking the step forward, breaking the glass ceiling in a different part of the world element of it. I have to, and I'm going to make a comparison to AEW that a lot of people aren't going to like. You had the big 16-man messy tag on Wednesday, which was the, the Brody Lee tribute show. And the match was crap. They've dredged up all this, you know, infighting among the Dark Order. They brought in all the Hardy family office, and Orange Cassidy was there for reasons. And the match was crap, and the match was messy, and the match made no sense. But at the end, it was all of Brody Lee's guys and girls and his wife and kid all getting to have a moment 
to set, stand there and pay attention to, or pay respect and honor to Brody Lee. That's the point. When Natalia and Lacey Evans had their thing um, in Saudi Arabia, for the first time, breaking that barrier. Did I like the match? No. Was I interested in the match? No. Do both of the characters kind of drive me nuts? Yes, but that's not the point. The meaning behind it was the point. The, the barrier that was broken was the point. When I didn't even see the match, but when Alexa Bliss and Sasha Banks had the first ever women's match in Abu Dhabi, same thing. Do I like Sasha Banks? No. Do I like the way they're using Alexa Bliss, or should I say misusing Alexa Bliss? Yes. But that's not the point, and this will not be the point here, because in Saudi Arabia, at the Crown Jewel show, you've got, potentially, the end of the Queen's Crown Tournament, you've got a triple threat match for the SmackDown Women's Championship, and you've probably got Charlotte defending her Raw Championship against somebody, probably Shayna Baszler or somebody like that. So, a country that wouldn't allow any female participation whatsoever, that then went to having Renee, uh, Renee Young on commentary when she was with the company, that then went to, yes, you can have a women's match on your show, to now going through a pandemic and the world turning completely upside down and now having three women's matches, sorry, two or three, I should say, the Raw thing hasn't been confirmed. That's the point. You can hate the show. You can hate the people that are running the show. You can hate the reasons that the show are happening. But for the fans in those seats, for the young women in that audience, that's the point. And that's why I'm cool with it. And that's why I'm saying, hey, King of the Ring is going to happen in Crown Jewel. We've all said for years that King of the Ring, they never do it right. It doesn't mean anything anyway. So why do you care that it's happening at Crown Jewel? Oh, they're going to do one for the women, but they're not going to do it properly, and it's just going to suck. Then why do you care that it's happening at Crown Jewel? I'm interested. I'm taking the day off work. I'm going to watch the Crown Jewel show like I always do. Unfortunately, it's on a Thursday, which kind of sucks, but it is what it is, and it's something that people have been pulling for for a long time. We know Xavier Woods, specifically, has been pulling for the return of the King of the Ring, so he's been the driving force behind it. you got to believe. I hope he wins it. I hope Xavier Woods is our next King of the Ring. Considering that him, between him and his buddies, Kofi's gotten the title, Big E's got the title now, he's been like habitually overlooked in the main event title picture. Put the King of the Ring on Xavier Woods. For whatever you're going to make it mean, put it on Xavier Woods and then let him carry that momentum and then next year you give him the money in the bank briefcase. Have him cash in on Big E and then everybody will lose their fucking minds. It's fine. Is the, is the Queen's crown probably going to go to Charlotte Fair because she's the Queen? Yes. Does that make sense? Because she's the best woman they have in that division? Yes, suck it. You can say you don't like her, you can say that she's boring, you can say that you don't like her character, whatever, whatever, you can throw in all the all the racial assumptions and all that kind of thing that you want to, because you can't use the daddy excuse anymore. I don't think the Ric Flair name is doing her any favors these days, but you cannot deny that she's the best woman they have on the roster. So is she going to win? Probably. Should she win? Yes. Moving on. Moving on to something a lot more popular to a lot of people, and I'm going to switch gears from the dumpster fire that is WWE over to AEW, and like I say, I didn't review Rampage this week, because Rampage was a miss this week, and it was the first time in a while that I've gone into an AEW show kind of knowing that it was going to be a miss. I sort of threw something out to, to Guapo to see if I was going to be able to get him on uh, tonight, and I think he was busy, and then I looked at the card, and I'm like, there's one good match on this show, and like I say, Danielson versus Jackson was a great match 
match. I don't know what I was expecting. I got more, but whatever I was expecting, I got more than I was expecting. Mostly because of Brian Danielson, let's be real. And they're doing that weird thing on Rampage that they usually do, where the match that should be the main event is actually the match that goes off first. How do you end it on a hair versus hair match with, like, Orange Cassidy, who you know they're not going to shave his head, versus one of Matt Hardy's cronies, who nobody cares if they get he gets his head shaved. I really don't understand, and they have to find better opponents for Thunder Rosa, because uh, Jade Cargill and Nyla Rose are terrible. Terrible. What I want right now, Full Gear is coming up on us pretty, pretty thick and fast. I know that the ranking system probably doesn't allow for this, but I would love the match at Full Gear to be Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa versus Ruby Soho. I think that would be fucking amazing. I don't think we're going to get it. I think we're going to get something else. I, we might just get Britt Baker versus Thunder Rosa based on the Lights Out match that they had uh, a while ago that Jake and I spoke about, which will be equally good. Don't get me wrong. Ruby Soho can go up again. Ruby Soho could take on Abaddon, and I'll just have a blast watching it. Or they can cross over some women from uh, from Impact. I would love to see Ruby Soho versus Deanna Perrazzo. Something like that. Um... I don't know, apparently Impact has a, some weird new social media championship. I don't know, I haven't watched Impact this week, so I'm probably going to do that after I'm done this. I uh, The other thing, sorry, lost my train of thought, why was I talking about Rampage? Because they did make the announcement next week on Dynamite, the two-year anniversary of AEW. Two years, remember? Two years ago when they nobody said that they were going to do anything and ride, 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 and we don't like Jim Cornette and we want to bet with him or whatever. Anyways, two years they've been around now. They're going to do their anniversary show on Dynamite and one of the matches on there. I mean, we're getting Sammy Guevara. Where are my notes for next week? Where are my notes for next week? What are we getting? We're getting... Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb, and it's going to be Shida's 50th win in the company, which is awesome. We're getting the Super Elite versus Brian, Christian, and Jurassic Express. We're getting the debut of Bobby Fish going after Sammy Guevara's brand new TNT championship, and we are getting the Casino Ladder Match for a shot at the AEW Championship. Now, six men are announced. And there's one Joker, as there always is in the casino situations. Uh, you got Matt Hardy, Orange Cassidy, Lance Archer, Pac, Andrade, and the Joker. I'm going to go through the names that we know about and then tell you why none of them matter. <laughs> Hardy won't win. Hardy's in there because the Hardy boys at this point in time have their reputation that was mostly in the early days based on ladder matches. So the ladder match itself, it's not Matt Hardy getting the rub. The ladder match itself gets the rub from having Matt Hardy in it. And I don't I don't particularly hate that. I don't like what they're doing with Matt Hardy right now in general. Uh, I think his character, the Big Money Matt thing, is obnoxious and not in the right way. Uh, and everybody that they're sort of putting under the Big Matt banner is just crap. Like, I used to like Private Party, and now they're a bit lame. Butcher and the Blade are the Butcher and the Blade. Uh, Angelico and Jack Evans, one of them just got their hair cut, and there's a couple other guys there whose names I don't even know. So they've taken a guy that I really like and respect creatively and made him bad and made everything he touches bad, but I don't mind him being in the match because it's got that meaning to it. Orange Cassidy's a maybe. Orange Cassidy versus Kenny Omega. Now, they haven't announced when this title 
situation is happening. They haven't announced whether this is going to be the competitor for Full Gear. That's a lot of time to kill before Full Gear, or whether it's just going to be on some other big episode of Dynamite. So that that puts a that puts a spammer in the works as well. If it's just a, a weekly episode of, of Dynamite where you know they're not going to win, but Kenny Omega gets another notch on his belt, Orange Cassidy might be your guy. Lance Archer, I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> they got to do a lot to make, I, I don't dislike Lance Archer, I know he's trying to be the badass, I don't give a fuck guy who just like takes out everybody in his path, but there's already somebody bigger, badder, better, uh, and with a bigger name doing that, and his name is John Moxley. Uh, Lance Archer comes off sort of as a discount John Moxley. John Moxley's in the match as well. I'll tell you why he's not going to win, because he's in the title picture. He's in the echelon of people that would be fighting over that title anyway. He doesn't need this to get it. It's like there's certain people in WWE that shouldn't be in Money in the Bank ladder matches, because they're in the situation. Like, Drew McIntyre is a prime example. I was just talking about him joining SmackDown. Drew McIntyre never needs to win a Money in the Bank briefcase to convince me that he should be in the title picture, because he's there now. Um, Moxley is, it, it's John fucking Moxley, he doesn't need this to get a title match, I don't know what, I don't know why I'm dwelling on this, it's John fucking Moxley, here's the, now here's the thing, Pac and Andrade are in this, and if this was a predictable WWE match, I would say, oh look, these are the two guys that are not going to win because they're going to take each other out and that's going to be the story of the match, Pac has had awesome matches with Kenny Omega, I wouldn't mind, of course I wouldn't mind seeing that again, but they've also proven at the same time that they're not going to put the belt on Pac. Now, Andrade, on the other hand, has fought Kenny Omega in recent memory over a different title, sort of like Christian won the Impact title off of Kenny Omega and then came back for the AEW title. So there's immediate, there's immediate connection there, and they can touch on uh, their match in AAA, whatever. I didn't see their match in AAA. I know Ric Flair was out there with Andrade, which, once again, I don't think is happening now. Uh, Andrade's had enough weirdness with different uh, valets and managers anyway. I don't need, think you need to throw Ric Flair into the mix right now. Um, if they don't play up the Pac and Andrade take each other out storyline, then I think, taking the Joker out of the equation for a second, I think you, you go with Andrade, because Andrade... I, I, I would buy Andrade and Omega as the next pay-per-view title match. I, I would. I don't think they would necessarily. I don't think a lot of the fans would. A lot of the fans would say that's a very, very special episode of Dynamite worthy main event. I don't know how a lot of people... You guys tell me because Andrade's introduction into AEW has been kind of mixed and it's had a lot of stumbling blocks and him fighting with Pac over the allegiance of the Lucha Brothers when the Lucha Brothers already have belts and feel like they should be doing their own thing has been a little bit lame. I would love it if there was some more momentum behind Andrade, but I wouldn't mind Andrade winning this match. But let's be real for a second. Nothing I said, nothing I just said matters because I am 99% sure that the Joker in this match is going to be the returning Adam Hangman Page. And if he's the Joker, none of these guys are winning because if he's the Joker, he's getting his hands on Kenny Omega and that's just how it's going to go. Do I think he's going to win is, is the other question. Do I think that he's going to win this and then go on and beat Kenny Omega? No. What is going to happen is you're going to get all, what is it, six members? You're going to get all six members of the Super Elite. You're going to get Omega, Cole, the Bucks, and the Good Brothers versus Jurassic Express, Christian, Kazarian, 
Daniel Bryan, and Hangman Page. There we go. Thanks, Brain. I figured it all out. You're going to get that 10-man tag at some point, and he's going to be the last piece of that. And that's either going to happen before he fails at getting that championship or after, because here's the deal. Here's what I think of Hangman Page. I like Hangman Page. I don't necessarily like a lot of the stuff that they've had him doing with the Dark Order, but I do like him as the guy. He's the AEW guy. He's the AEW fans guy. They want him to succeed, but he's always been there in a scenario where there's somebody else they wanted to, to win a little bit more. They want Hangman to, to, to win the title, but they want Jericho to win it a little more. Or they want Hangman to win the title, but they wanted... Um, Moxley to win it a little more. They wanted Hangman to win the title, but they wanted Kenny Omega to win it more. And now they want Hangman to win the title because the story's been going on so long, but I'm pretty sure they want Brian Danielson to win the title. So he's the guy that they like, but the, it seems like the fans and the booking both say, we really like Hangman Page, and he really deserves to be champion someday, but not today. So he's going to win this and then lose his championship opportunity. And then we're going to get that massive fucking, what is that? That's, that's 12 man. That's a 12 man tag. That's a 12 man tag that I buy more than the 16 man tag that we got on the, on the Brody tribute show. No disrespect to Brody Lee. I just think all the people in that match were people I don't care about. I, it was nice to see his wife. It was nice to see his kid. It was nice for them to do the tribute. The match itself sucked. And both teams are teams that I didn't care about. This, as I say, if you get... Hangman, Daniel Bryan, Kazarian, Christian Cage, uh, Jurassic Express versus Kenny Omega, Adam Cole, the Bucks, and the Good Brothers. That match alone, that 12-man match could be your next Blood and Guts match, and that could be the whole pay-per-view. Anyways, so this is a bunch of random bit of information. Please tell me what you think of the draft so far. Please tell me what you think of uh, next week's upcoming casino ladder match. Please tell me what you think of the early stories going into Crown Jewel. Please tell me what you think of the return of the King of the Ring and the debut of the Queen's Crown. Big old smorgasbord of topics to talk about. Keep that conversation going down in the box below. But yeah, you know how it goes. I just fucked up my entrance already, but I've been spazzed. Your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there. Talk down there. Start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, I am tagging out. Bye, guys.